We are thankful and grateful that you've joined us this morning. Even if you're watching the recording of this later on, um, we hope that you're blessed and that the Lord speaks powerfully to you this morning or today or whenever you're watching it. Um, we ask that you please share these videos and like and um, just spread the word of what we're Fresh Vision Church is doing here in Northeast El Paso. So, um, again, if you want to know more about us, you can go to our website, and there you will find uh, pretty much all the information you need to know about us. If you have any uh, prayer requests or praise reports, there's also uh, on our homepage, you will find in the bottom section of our homepage, you'll find a section there where you can send that information to, to us, and I will receive it. Um, by myself, no one else gets it, and I will definitely get them and pray for you. And if you want a response back, let me know, and I'll get back to you on that as well. We don't have a formal tithe or offering here at Fresh Vision Church. We simply rely on the, the goodness of everyone's heart, on their the joy of giving. Uh, you can do that on our YouTube page. There's a PayPal link there. Or if you want, you can send us a check in our mail, and our address is also on our website. I think with that, we'll go ahead and begin with today's message. If you were with us last week, I shared with you all what the Lord had placed in my heart about the cross of Christ. This week, I want to share with you a passage that also spoke to my heart about the importance of God's Word and the importance of applying it into our lives as well. So to put it simply, why it's important to not just hear the word, but to act on it as well. And so I've titled today's message, Don't Just Hear It, Do It. And our main text will be from, will be in James chapter 1, and we'll be in verses 22 to 25. That's our main text. Now, we do have other texts that we're going to jump around to. Um, and if you have bookmarkers or if you want to mark those out, we're going to be also in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 28. So if you want to keep those in mind and get a little bit ahead of the, ahead of the curve when it comes to flipping over in your Bibles, or in your uh, mobile devices, whatever it is that you're reading the Word of God from. Now, ask my wife, what subjects besides the Bible that I find absolutely fascinating? She will more than likely say that either the menu at some kind of restaurant or American history. So as a history nerd, I want to share with you two interesting historical events that you may or may not have known about that could have changed the course of history. Now, the first one is on Pearl Harbor. Don't worry about it. Those words, those were the words which he uttered on a peaceful Sunday morning in 1941 on the Hawaiian island of Oahu. Uh, those words would haunt Kermit A. Taylor for the rest of his life. Taylor was the Army Air Force's first lieutenant on temporary duty at Fort Shafter's Radar Information Center on December 7, 1941, when a, radar, when a radar operator on the northern tip of the island reported that he and another private were seeing an unusually large blip on the radar screen, indicating a large number of eight aircraft about 132 miles away and fast approaching. Don't worry about it, Taylor told the radar operator, thinking it was a flight of US B-17 bombers that was due in from the mainland. Instead, the blip on the radar screen was the first wave of more than 180 Japanese fighters torpedo bombers, dive bombers, and horizontal bombers whose surprise attack on Pearl Harbor and the island's main airfields shortly before 8 a.m. plunged the United States 
into World War II. And this other story is on the RMS Titanic. The nearest ship to the Titanic before she was sank was the SS Californian. Her captain had decided the ice was so bad that he would stop and try to resume the journey at first light. Californian's wireless operator signaled to Titanic about this. Unfortunately, that message came right at the time the senior wireless operator, Jack Phillips, was attempting to get through a backlog of passenger messages he hadn't been able to send off earlier. Californian's signal broke in a, over a top of Phillips' broadcast and was very loud in his headphones because the ships were very close. Phillips angrily replied, shut up, shut up. I'm working on Cape Race. I'm working Cape Race. Although this was not the only warning Titanic received, it happened less than 10 minutes before the collision. So it might possibly have been, it, must, it might possibly have made a difference. Phillips had been, been, had been paying more attention and had relayed it promptly to the bridge. Now, the reason I share these stories with you is to illustrate the disastrous consequences of having crucial information and not acting on it. And that's essentially the heart of my message to you this morning. What I hope you discover is that God's righteousness is accomplished as we begin to understand that the holiness He desires from us can be achieved when we purposely and intentionally act on God's Word once we receive it. I saw an interesting quote from someone that I admired as a kid that put it this way, Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. As said by one of the coolest martial artists to ever live, Bruce Lee. So before we get into God's word, let's ask him to speak to us. Lord, we are here and we are thankful. Those that were able to make it and be here, we, we, I ask that you bless them fully and thoroughly, that you just give them your joy. Pour your, your love on them, Lord, and, and fill them with your spirit so that it may overflow here among us, Lord. We pray for those that are watching and listening that you bless them as well, whether it's live right now or later on. Pray that this message speaks powerfully to those who need to hear it, to those in need, uh, those that it's designed for, Lord. Lord, we want to know you more, and one of the best ways to do that is by is through your word. So now is we start this message, Lord, on the importance of not just hearing it, Lord, but doing it as well. I pray that you it will be clear, it will be that your word will just be clear to those who are or receiving it. Remove any marks of or any pride, anything that comes from me. Let me just rely on you now to share what you have to say. So bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we'll be beginning in verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. And there the word of God says, Be doers of the word 
and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. I'm going to stop there for a second. Now, how many of you know what a magnifying mirror is? Well, I think most women probably refer to it as a makeup mirror. And what it does, it's a little bit stronger than a regular mirror you would see at a bathroom or, or somewhere in general, like at a general location. It's a mirror, it could be big, it could be small, but it's supposed to really magnify parts of your face so that you can see areas that are, they need to be touched up, they need to be fixed maybe. You know, if I was to have one here in front of me, I'll probably see like parts of, that I forgot to shave or that I missed when I was shaving or, you know, I might see, you know, something up my nose. I don't know. Now, my mind, when I look at these things about myself, my mind is telling me what I need to fix and that I need to fix it. And that I need to fix it as soon as possible. Well, the Word of God is like a magnifying mirror. See, the closer we look into it, the more we begin to truly see every aspect about ourselves through it. Verses that we just read, James wants us to understand the importance of doing, not just hearing what the Word of God says. Those who only hear God's Word and don't do what, is, what it says are deceiving themselves by, assume, by assuming that merely hearing it is all that is needed. Many people in churches today who think that just by reading God's Word, by reading the Bible, they're obeying it. There are also others who will hear a sermon or read a book and say, right on, I agree with that. But what's really going on is that they're deceiving themselves when it's time to act upon that which they heard and agreed upon or agreed with. You see, one of the greatest dangers for us who love the Word is to falsely assume that simply agreeing that we should pray means we're praying, or knowing we should worship makes us, makes us worshipers. So what James here is illustrating is, he illustrates what that deception is like by saying, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone who is looking at his own face in a mirror and then walks away from that mirror and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. The idea here is that when we hear, read, and study God's Word, it acts like a spiritual magnifying mirror that reveals all your spiritual flaws and imperfections. However, in order to change, for any change to occur, three things must happen. You must take a really good look at yourself. Look at yourself through the mirror of Scripture and look intently into it. You must believe and accept that His Word is true and it's for your own good. And then by faith, you must act upon that which God is personally telling you to do. For example, this is, again, this is just an example, and it may or may not speak to you. I'm going to leave that up to God. But let's say your friends and family believed that you had a drinking problem. But 
you really weren't sure whether you did or not. But all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to you personally through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where it says, don't get, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. What must you do then in order to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer? Well, let me go back to those three things that I just mentioned and explain to you how change must occur. You must take an honest look at yourself through that verse, through verse Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and see if it applies to you. See if it's leading you to recklessly living. Has it led you to problems at home, problems at work? Has it led to arguments with the wife? Maybe you haven't shown up for work because you're hungover or, or because you're just hanging out with the friends, drinking, and you'd rather be you sh when you should be at work? Um, has it caused problems? And again, uh, has it created reckless living? And you must examine that, be honest with yourself about that, and realize whether what what kind of damage is doing in your life you then must be willing to accept what god is saying here in his word and that he is telling you this he is revealing this to you he's speaking to you personally because not because he wants to ruin your life but he's telling you this revealing this to you for your own good must be willing to accept it and believe that it's truth. Number three, by faith you must act on his word by choosing not to get drunk anymore and instead be filled by the Spirit. Again, it's choices. You must act on what his word is telling you. Now, the problem that James is pointing out is when a person fails to act on what God wants them to do or to change about themselves. See, not only are they disobeying and ignoring Him, but they're also walking away thinking that there's nothing wrong. Like Lieutenant Taylor, who saw the large blip on the radar screen and told the radio operator, don't worry about it. Or Jack Phillips, who ignored the radio message, messages of catastrophic conditions because he was too busy transmitting other passengers' messages on the radio. You see, when someone walks away without fixing or changing what the mirror of Scripture has shown them, it becomes easier to, to just ignore what God is saying in, in other passages. Not only that, but it also becomes easier to, to stop paying attention to yourself and start noticing the flaws in others. And rather than applying these truths into your own life, you're reading them and saying, you know what, that, that applies to so-and-so. That applies to my husband, my wife, my friend, my co-worker. Why can't they just understand and get it? I'm not the one with the problem. They're the one with the problem. And again, you ignore what God is telling you personally through that verse, through that passage. And what happens when you start doing that or when anyone starts doing that? Is it become exactly what Jesus warned his disciples to avoid from becoming legalistic religious Pharisees? 
these Pharisees were the ones who gave Jesus the hardest times and were trying to point out Jesus' flaws without looking at their own. And every time Jesus turned the tables on them, they were upset, they were angry, they tried to get the mob to try to get him, or they just they had a big problem with him. Again, let me use that example that I mentioned earlier. If you walk away, the Lord speaks to you through that verse, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and you walk away and you're like, yeah, no, I don't think that applies to me. You know that it jumped out at you. It, it spoke to you. What you're really saying is, God, you don't know what's best for me. I'm having too much fun right now. I'm enjoying this, and you know, I'm just going to lose my friends. I'm going to lose, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose too much. You know, so I'm going to, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to. I see it, but it's all good. You know, I, but I think it applies to others and not me. And you're on a dangerous road there of, first of all, you, you shouldn't be ignoring what God is telling you. The God of the universe, the God who created heaven and earth, the God who sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. And now you're saying, yeah, no thanks, God. Thanks for telling me, speaking wisdom to me and speaking, you know, speaking to my heart, but I'll take care of it. I'll do it on my own. That's a really dangerous and sad place to, to be in. But it also just, it's a slippery slope because next thing you know, again, you're using verses to justify your behavior through reckless living. And next thing you know, you're, your life is getting destroyed because of the bottle or that becomes more important to you than everything else you once valued. It may not be drinking, it could be some other addiction, it could be some dangerous um, person in your life that is hurting you physically, emotionally. Um, it could be any, it could be a number of things. But if he speaks to you, listen to him. He knows what he's saying, he knows what he's talking to you about. See, ladies and gentlemen, the Word of God is meant to convict us of sin and challenges, and challenges us to surrender those things in our lives that we're still holding on to and we don't want to give up. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit joints and marrow, it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what I'm going to do next is just allow God to use his surgical scalpel to begin cutting through some areas that you may, may apply to you and that may seem uncomfortable. But before I do, please understand that I'm only the instrument. I'm essentially just the scalpel. And that God is really the heart surgeon. He's the one doing the work. He's the one doing the cutting. Without God, that scalpel, me, it'd be useless. I'd just be a metal thing on a table. It's Him doing it. So, again, as I mentioned these things, if you have problems or issues, you can take it up with the doctor directly to him. I'm going to be pulling out three passages that come directly from Jesus that we often hear about but don't often do. We quickly forget about when it's presented to us or when it's right in front of us. And the first one is on love. For that passage, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, and we'll be in verse 43. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor 
and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he care, he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let me ask you, what do you feel inside when that atheist that you know at work or at school or that agnostic or that one that's hostile towards your beliefs and your faith starts to challenge you about the existence of God or you know, straight out says blasphemous things around you? How do you begin to feel inside? Do you start to get angry? Do you start to feel a sense of rage? What goes through your mind when you're at the ball or at some public location at the park and you see two women holding hands or two men holding hands? Does that enrage you? Does that bother you? Do you want to go up to them and start yelling scripture at them and tell them they're going to hell? They don't repent of their sins. You start condemning their, you know, their lives and their lifestyles publicly and sh- trying to shame them. What do you feel like saying to those who maybe have a different political and social ideology than you? when you see people saying they're going to vote for Biden or vote for Trump? Does that anger you? Does it enrage you? Is your automatic reaction to do what Jesus tells you to do in verse 44? And again, there it says, But I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. You see, the easy part is hearing and reading that verse and being like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. I agree with that. That's awesome. Yeah, we should love our enemies. You know, it's a good concept. But actually doing it is the hard part. And that's the challenge. It's never meant, it wasn't meant to be easy. If I had time, I would probably sit here and preach or stand here and preach a whole sermon on love. But my intent here is to show you that love without action is merely empty words. If I know everything there is to know about love, but don't practice it, what does that tell you about me? See, we're quick to memorize love passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 6. But do you know what it actually says before and after? You may be sitting here, you may be watching and listening, and you may be a Christian and and have a ton of spiritual gifts. You may even just have one spiritual gift. But here's what those passages tell us, that if you don't have love, all those gifts, or even that one gift is worthless. It doesn't matter if you don't have love. You want to be a doer of the word. Love others the way Christ loves them. 
and the way he loved you when you came to him with your baggage of sin. He died for them. He died for that Republican. He died for that Democrat. He died for that for that uh, Antifa guy, that person that claims to be a white supremacist. He died for them too. As much as that the, the behavior is is abhorrent and awful, it's Jesus died for them too. And we must love them just like he loved them. Simply knowing it isn't enough. Is and it's not what God has called you to do. You have to actually apply it and put it into practice. Now, the next one I want to mention is on worry. Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6 for that. And it's the next chapter. Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be in verse 25 for that, or there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worthy? Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now Paul elaborates on this a little bit further in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, where he says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Trials and tribulations are inevitable. And it's very easy to tell others who are going through it, you know what, just trust God. But imagine for a minute, if right after this service, you got that call that you just got fired, that your home has burnt down with all your possessions, or the bank informed you that someone had stolen your identity, and emptied out your bank account? Or what if that person that you didn't want to become president won the election? Can you absolutely say without a shadow of a doubt that you will not worry? I think a lot of you know, especially if you've been through one of those scenarios that it's easier said than done. When we get anxious and worry about the things we can't control, the tendency is to relieve those feelings through other means. We forget about God's sovereignty and His promise to never leave us or forsake us. And it's easy to memorize these passages, but how quickly we forget them when we're in the midst of them. What is the point of worrying? What is it going to do? How is it going to help you? Getting anxious and stressed out and 
lashing out on others because of things. And I understand, you know, if, yeah, you lost your home, your possessions, you lost your bank account, you know, you, how are you going to pay the rent? How are you going to pay the bills? How, you know, just leave it to God. And again, I know it's easier said than done, but if you've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. come through for you. He'll give you the comfort you need. So if you get a call after you leave here, it wasn't me that made it happen, all right? It wasn't, it wasn't anything that I said or did. But my point here is to leave it in the hands of God. Whatever may happen, even on November 3rd, the world, I thought the world was going to end when some of these other presidents became won the won the election. The world just kept going. So whoever it is that wins on November third, God's still in control. Always know that. Always remember that. We must pray for our leaders. We must pray that they make the right choices and decisions. That they come to completely trust in the Lord. So whoever they're backing and that person doesn't win, pray for whoever does win. Again, point is not to worry. Well, the last one I wanted to mention was is in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. All right, Matthew chapter 28, and we're just going to read two verses, verses 19 and 20. And there Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, in case you didn't know, if you're a believer here today, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're born again. Every single one of you are called to make disciples. Or this applies to you to go out into the world and make disciples of all the nations. So whether it's here in El Paso or in your schools, at your works, at your workplaces, or where the, wherever you are around the world, you're called to make disciples. See, his intent in saving you wasn't so that you can just keep that knowledge and information of salvation to yourself. It's to spread it. It's to share it. To tell others about it. So are you actively and purposely doing what He's commanded you to do here. The sad thing is that many Christians know and understand this, yet live their lives like this doesn't apply to them. But it does. It applies to you and to me. You may not be a preacher or an evangelist, but all of you are missionaries. Whatever... Whoever you are, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you are to go out into the world and use your lives as living witnesses to God's glory, to what God has done and will do in a sinner's life. Now, it's easy, again, to read this passage and say, oh, yeah, I'll do it later when I know more, when I have more information, when I go to school, Bible college, and all that. But really, the moment you placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were called to spread the gospel. You were called to spread the good news. So let me put it this way. If Jesus appeared to you, appeared to you or was sat next to you right now, and whispered 
into your ear. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Those two verses. Would you go out and do it? Honestly, is that what he has to do in order for you to do what he says? Does he has does he have to appear right next to you and whisper into your ear for you to go and obey him? His word, what he says, should be enough. Here's something I hope that you think about and clearly understand. The strength of your faith is known by the weight you put on the written words of Jesus. Now, before I conclude here, I want to turn your attention back to where we started, to the passage we began with here in the beginning of our service. And so I want you to go back to James chapter 1. I'm only going to read one verse, and that's verse 25. And there it says, James chapter 1, verse 25, But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not forgetful, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of works, this person will be blessed in what he does. I don't know about you, but I love seeing butts in the Bible. No, I'm not talking about glutes. I'm talking about the conjunction word, but. See, I love it because the word but usually introduces something contrasting with what was already been mentioned. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you ever wanted to know the secret ingredients to being blessed by God, James gives them to us here. James tells us, but if you do these three things, number one, look into the perfect law of liberty. The perfect law of liberty is the gospel of Jesus Christ that frees us from the prison of ignorance. So looking into it suggests knowing, understanding, and meditating on every word of Jesus. Number two, continue in it. Continuing in it or persevering, it says here, is living it out, applying it, and continually never stop from enduring in it. No matter if the walls of life seems to, they seem to be falling on you or, or the pressures of life are squeezing you, it's continuing in the Word. And number three, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This ingredient is probably the hardest to find. It's hard because it requires the intentional act of listening and obeying. Friends, Listen and obey what God, what God's word tells you to do. Listen and obey when God tells you to love the unlovable. This includes the homosexual. This includes that person from that political party, that member of Antifa, that far right or that far left person that you just can't stand, maybe someone from a different religion, that Muslim that lives across the street from you or a few houses down. Love those. Love those that are that the world considers outcasts. The world doesn't that the world doesn't want anything to do with. Love them. Listen and obey. When the word of God tells you to not worry. Whether again it's about who wins this election or whether your house burns down, you get fired, or you know. 
you find out the worst news of the world, you get COVID. It's not the end of the world. For those of you who are really worried about that, I want, let me just tell you that, again, that's something you can't control. Yeah, you can do things to prevent it, but your life is in God's hands. He knows he was there in the beginning, and he will be there in the end. He knows exactly when your last day in this earth will be. Just rest in him. Just rest in him. Listen and obey when God's word tells you to make disciples. You can do this through your words and actions. If you're willing and able to do these things, James says, this one will be blessed in what he does. James clearly warns us not to think that seeing our reflection properly means we're doers of the word automatically. If the Lord shows you in the word that you need to praise him, don't say, good point. Start just praising him right there and then. If the Lord shows you in the word that you need to get right with a brother or sister, Don't say someday. Do it right then and there. Brothers and sisters in Christ, be a doer of the word. With ears clogged up, mind made up, or all mixed up, we won't, you won't hear from the Lord. But reading the word with meekness and then obeying it is the best hearing aid. There is. Now, before I finish here, I want to take a moment to speak to those who, <coughs> who maybe are struggling with a lot of things and you're not sure how to deal with it. You have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to turn. Well, there is. You can turn to Jesus. Or maybe you're just tired of feeling anger and hate, and you want the love of God just to overwhelm you. You must surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You must allow His love to enter into your heart. That's the only way you'll get it. If you want to really be a messenger, if you really want to do something radical in this world and, and change this world and turn it upside down, become a follower and make disciples. If that's you, you want to come to Christ, you can do that. You just have to come to the cross, lay your sin... <coughs> Lay your sins there at the base of the cross and allow him to heal you, to wash you, to, to clean you, to forgive you of your sins. Surrender your life to him today. God is calling you. He's reaching out to you. Don't ignore it. Do it now. Hear God's word and do it. He wants to set you free. And he will only do it if you sincerely ask him to. So if you're ready to let go and let God, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes wherever you're at. And with all your heart, with all sincerity, pray this. Lord Jesus, I believe and I confess that I'm a sinner. 
I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you were raised on the third day. I lay my sins upon you now and ask that you forgive me for all the things that I've done. And now I accept that forgiveness. And I thank you for that. Thank you for giving me new life, for making me born again. And now fill me with the Holy Spirit so that he may help guide me in my new born again life. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, there may be some of you who also have also maybe drifted from the faith and now you're ready to come back. I want to tell you that there's nothing that you have done or ever will do that you won't forgive. And if that's you, again, also just bow your head and close your eyes and just say, Lord, I'm ready to come back. I'm sorry for disobeying you. I'm sorry for walking away. So I'm coming back to you now and help me, Lord, to now walk according to your ways again. And if you prayed that, let us know. Contact us. We want to hear from you. Um, we want to talk to you more and maybe lead you into your next steps of your faith as you walk. Maybe mail you a, a Bible, but we want to just hear from you. So whether it's here in El Paso or anywhere around the world, we want to to hear what you have to say and and how you came to the Lord. Um, that does it for this week's service for those of you watching and, and listening. Um, I pray that you have a blessed week. I pray that the Lord uses you, that you will hear God's word and you will do it. You will become doers of the word. So until next week, goodbye and farewell. <laughs>